Act 1, Skywin, King of Hours, Chapter 1, The First Travel Long ago, in the land of Muni, the monsters ruled with an iron fist. Mumans from across the land lived in constant fear of confronting the vicious beasts. Every day, a new species of monsters would arise to terrorize the settlers. For a time, it seemed that the Mumans would go extinct. But that all changed one day. A great leader of a Muman colony, Brian Dragonfly, led his people through a harsh winter, finding solace in a giant tree stump. While they were there, they discovered that the stump provided the protection they needed from monster attacks and gave them time to ration their supplies. Under Dragonfly's lead, the Mumans quickly adapted to life in the stump, building a strong bond of friendship between them. Once the winter passed, a sturdy castle had been built around the stump to act as a safe haven for all Mumans. Not long after, a mystical force beckoned to Brian, bringing him to the heart of the Muman sanctuary. The magical energy sensed the nobility and courage within his soul and chose him as its wielder. The magic took shape, forming a powerful scepter capable of granting whoever held it incredible abilities. Impressed by this, the Mumans unanimously appointed Brian Dragonfly as the first king of Muni. From that day on, the Dragonfly family ruled over all Mumans, protecting the land from monsters, providing resources for the people, and of course, passing the mantle down to a worthy successor. And for the past twenty-seven generations, the lineage of Dragonflies have dutifully safeguarded the realm, all thanks to the magic of the scepter. Bollocks! Skywind scoffed and set the history scroll back on its shelf. Where is the evidence? Where is the proof? Are we seriously supposed to just accept this hogwash? A soft knock at the library door made the king's ears perk up. Um, why your majesty? I must ask that you keep your voice down. Oh, uh, of course, of course. It had been ten years since Skywind had inherited the throne from his father, Hymnal and yet he was still looked down on for being a non-believer. Although, it wasn't entirely his fault. He preferred to put his faith in logic and reasoning rather than blindly following popular opinions. This often put him at odds with both his father and Muni's magical high commission. The only people who ever respected his viewpoints were his wife, Jem Ivine, his best friend, Gordon, and his teacher, Madame Indexia and the latter of whom was wiped from existence when the original great book of magic was destroyed in an unfortunate fire that nearly consumed the entire castle. Skywind glanced down at his family's scepter, studying the unique design. According to his father, the scepter would magically take on a form that best reflected the wielder's personality. In Skywind's case, the scepter was a golden rod with a winged clock at the top. While this baffled most people he associated with, he felt this was most appropriate. Time was his only constant companion in life. He took pleasure in studying ancient history and ruins, and using those studies to strategically predict the future. Over time, he learned to use the powerful magic in his scepter to alter the chronological flow of his dimension's timeline. Unfortunately for him, his responsibilities as king forced him to use his magic for much less exciting purposes. The citizens of Muni were highly incompetent and incapable of sustaining themselves. Every week, the peasants would gather around the castle and await for their king to have food magically rained down from the sky. Not only that, 
but with the constant threat of the monsters, the scepter was the kingdom's only hope for survival. It's not easy being king, Skywind sighed to himself. Levitating down from the library's top floor, he made his way outside to the royal carriage. Once inside, his mood immediately brightened at the sight of his family. Hello, love. He greeted his wife with a peck on the cheek before turning to the baby wrapped in a blanket. And hello, little Jessica. Did you find what you were looking for? Gemivine asked. Yes, and I've given a lot of thought on what I want to do, he replied ominously. An hour later, the royal family arrived back at the castle. Rosalind, Skywind's duly appointed squire, jumped down from the driver's seat and opened the door for them. Your Majesty, she bowed. Thank you, Rosalind. Skywind nodded. Would you be so kind as to assemble the Magical High Commission, please? I need to speak with Omnitraxus Prime. Whatever you wish, King Dragonfly. Skywind watched Rosalind dutifully march inside as he led his family to the nursery. Little Jessica was peacefully sleeping as Gemivine gingerly laid her down in her crib. She's beautiful, isn't she? Of course she is, Skywind agreed sadly. When the king learned that his child would be born a girl, he was slightly disappointed. Not with her, of course, but with Muni's strict patriarchal society. He truly loved his daughter, but the kingdom would never truly accept her as their ruler. But at the moment, his main focus was on other things. Before the commission could arrive, he needed to study a few incantations from his new edition of the Great Book of Spells. The coming task would be dangerous, and would require. Dangerous magic. He groaned in frustration as he dug through the mess that was his private study, until at last, he found what he was looking for. Once the spell book opened up, a small, blue woman with white hair and a pink gem in her forehead popped out. This was Madame Indexia of Contents, the living embodiment of magical energy in Muni. Skywind was confused as his mentor brushed off her yellow dress and levitated above the pages. Good morning, them lord. She bowed in respect. Indexia? What were you doing in there? I haven't seen you in years. I thought you had perished. Oh, fret not, my king. I did not succumb to the flames, as you all believed. I was merely dealing with one of my new creations, Rombili. Indexia explained before looking at the book. You've done me proud by starting a new magic book of spells. She pinched the bridge of her nose as she shook her head in disappointment. Especially since your father failed to save the original text from that dreadful fire. Well, surely, the great book of spells couldn't have been more important than the great book of fashion, right? Skywind shrugged sarcastically. Perish the thought. His teacher agreed. Additionally, I wish to congratulate you, my liege. For while I was away, I was told that your wife has given birth. You must be proud to finally have a son to take under your wing. Son? Skywind replied, perplexed. Oh, I'm afraid you were misinformed, madam. I have a daughter. A beautiful little girl. Her name is Jessica. A daughter? Indexia's eyebrow arched up in surprise. Such a thing has never happened to your family before. 
So I've been told, the king groaned. But for now, there are more pressing matters that require our attention. The magical high commission, the enforcers of law and order in Muni, patiently waited for their leader's arrival. Lekmat, the commission's chancellor, magic healer, an observer of entropy, and Omnitraxis Prime, the living embodiment of the space-time continuum. Allegedly, these beings were created by Indexia to assist her in maintaining order in the multiverse, and they treated their job with the utmost seriousness. Soon enough, Rosalind entered the meeting room with her chin held high. Clearing her throat, she unveiled a scroll and read it aloud. Ahem, presenting his most royal majesty, protector of the realm, savior of the people, master of the scepter's magic. Skywind, king of ours. Skywind calmly strode into the room, bearing a magnificent cape upon his shoulders. But his composition was ruined as Rosalind blasted a note from her bugle. Do you have to do that every time you announce me, squire? He asked, irritably. Ah, uh, yeah? Best part of the job. Roseline retorted with a cheeky grin. Anyway, the chrono scholar turned his attention to the commission. Thank you all for agreeing to come on such short notice. Particularly you, Omnitraxis. I am pleased to serve you, my king. Prime's physical form was too large to enter the castle, so she communicated through an enchanted crystal ball. How might I be of service? As you are all aware, I have spent much of my free time studying human history, he explained. Like most tales of the past, the royal copy is full of inconsistencies. However, one part of the story remains the same, the stump. And the scepter. If we could go back in time to the dated moment when King Brian inherited the scepter dash. You believe that you can prove whether or not the story is correct? Omnitraxis interrupted. I never believe. I hypothesize. Skywind corrected. But there's more to it than that. What if we could journey to other worlds beyond our own timeline? I have been observing multiple different dimensions through my scepter. Lekmat bleated in defiance, which Indexia translated. The Chancellor is against the idea, my king. And I agree. Muni needs its king. In addition to the famine, the threat of a monster attack is constantly looming over the kingdom. Precisely, Skywind exclaimed. Muni has always struggled with the monsters and other problems because we've never looked beyond the reaches of our own land. There's a whole multiverse of untapped resources out there. There was a long silence before Omnitraxis spoke up. Unfortunately, traveling through time is not that simple, your majesty. The skeletal face vanished from the crystal ball, replaced by an image of two ropes. Imagine this rope as the timeline. When someone or something travels backwards, it ruptures the time barrier which sends cascading waves of chronometric energy against the natural flow of time. When that happens, the first image of the rope unraveled and broke in two. It snaps. Now, there are some instances in which extreme measures can be taken to repair the worst of the damage done to the timeline. The rope tied itself back together in a strong knot as she went on. But traces of the change will always be there. Worse yet, there are certain moments in history whose consistencies are crucial to the integrity of the timeline. The story of King Brian, the stump, and the scepter is one of those moments. 
any change made to that moment no matter how infinitesimal could have devastating impacts on the present. While Lechmat, Rosalind, and even Indexia were bored to tears by Omnitraxis' lecture, Skywind listened, intently. The king of ours was subconsciously planning a way around the laws of physics, as his guest continued. This time, the second rope was brought into focus. Now, there is a way to safely carry out a time quest without damaging our present. As you stated earlier, King Skywind, there are multiple dimensions that coexist in spaces between our own. Each dimension is different, some slightly, others radically. If we were to cross through the dimensional barrier and travel backwards outside the usual realm of time, we could harmlessly observe the past and return with minimal consequences. Then it settled. Skywind smiled. How can we pass through the barrier? Omnitraxis' face reappeared with a dismal frown. I'm afraid that feat is beyond my power, my lord. Bugger! The king cursed. Is there any way we might accomplish this? Indexia sighed, heavily, and landed on the table in front of her master. There might be, long ago, I created a being alongside Omnitraxis and Lekmat for the sole purpose of engineering interdimensional travel. I christened him as Hecapo, master of the Eternal Forge. But that doesn't make sense. Skywind grew curious. Why is he not a member of the Commission? He sounds like he would be most useful. Oh, in many ways, he is. Indexia went on. But he is a ruffian and a miscreant. He takes pleasure in toying with those who seek his help. And thus, I banished him to a pocket realm. Hmm, that would put a damper on things, wouldn't it? Skywind replied. But you could get us to the pocket realm, correct? Of course I could, she boasted. And being the king, if you order me to take you there, I will have no choice but to obey. But I will warn you once more, Hecapo is a dangerous entity, not to be trifled with. Skywind considered his teacher's warnings. If what Omnitraxis had told him were true, he could risk destroying his kingdom at the earliest point in time. On the other hand, he thought back to what inspired him to take up the time quest in the first place. His father had proven himself to be completely inept as ruler before retiring to a vacation home in a volcano. Even the lowly peasants looked down on him with contempt. Ever since his eighteenth birthday, when he first took the throne, Skywind feared that he would be doomed to repeat his father's history. But such an idea displeased him, greatly. He wanted to make a name for himself before passing the scepter down to his daughter. At last he made up his mind. Assemble the people, he ordered. Hours later, Skywind had made the official announcement of his departure. Gemivine would be in command of the land until his return, governing the royal guard and mapping out the land needed to start building plantations for food crops and other necessities. The king was rocking his beloved child to sleep one last time before his departure when his wife surprised him from behind. I truly appreciate how much faith you have in me, my love, she purred. Skywind set Jessica in her crib and took Gemivine into his arms. Well, while I'm gone, I'll need someone intelligent, kind, and reliable to be in command, and since I don't know anyone like that, you're my best option. The queen chortled as she playfully slapped her husband's arm. 
I will miss you, she confessed, bringing him into a kiss. And I will miss you, he replied as the hourglass cheek marks glowed brightly. Your Highness? Omnitraxus beckoned from outside. It's time. With a final goodbye, Skywind flung his satchel over his shoulder and joined his hardy crew. Joining him on his quest was Rosalind, Indixia, and Omnitraxus to provide protection and guidance. Is the magical barrier I created still holding? Yes, my king, Indexia assured as she opened the portal to Hecapo's dimension. So long as the wand is in your possession, no human will be harmed inside that barrier. Well then, what are we waiting for? He beamed proudly. Alon's why, my friends. A dull, deafening silence filled the hallway. Uh, what? Rosalind inquired. Oh, it's an earth term, Skywind explained eagerly. You see, a sub-faction of humans who call themselves the French speak their very own language. Apparently, it's common for different areas of that dimension to speak a different, conflicting language. It's actually chronicled in a book called the Bibal, in a chapter called the Babel Tower Dash. You're rambling again, them lord, Indexia cut in. Right. Thank you, Indexia. Skywind readjusted his outfit. Anyway, Alon's why roughly translates to let's go there. Okay, you could have just said that, Rosalind pointed out tiredly. Yes, I could have, but then you wouldn't have learned anything. The king prattled on as his crew members proceeded through the portal. Also, something funny, there exists a name for males on earth called Alonso, which sounds similar to Alon's why. So, theoretically, if I were to travel with someone named Alonso, I could say Alon's Y. Alonso. Chapter 2. The Hecapo Assignment King Skywind, welcome to Dimension X-103, home of the Everlasting Forge. The king of ours and his crew found themselves in a barren wasteland. All vegetation was morbidly decayed, and the only notable features of the landscape were crags and volcanoes. If Skywind didn't know any better, he would have assumed he was in the underworld, visiting the Lucider Kingdom. How far away is the forge? Will it take us long to get there? He asked, conjuring up a tall glass of water. Not too long, my king, Indexia assured. One month at the most. One month? Skywind shouted. That is absurd. We don't have that much time. If I don't return to Muni in a week, the peasants will tear the kingdom to dash. A quick glance at his family's most treasured heirloom derailed Skywind's train of thought. The king tapped on the protective glass and shook it next to his ear, but the black onyx crystals that made up the clock's arms would not move. Indexia, I think my scepter is broken. No, your majesty, the magic is still there. Your clock, however, is still set to Muni's timeline. I designed this pocket realm to exist outside the usual flow of time, Indexia explained. One year here is less than half a minute on Muni. The king was both impressed and concerned. And how long has this Hecapo been imprisoned here? Almost ever since King Lyle passed the scepter to his son. What? Be but that was almost two thousand years ago, Skywind spluttered. All that time in isolation, who knows what it could have done to him. 
Don't worry, Skywind. Rosalind patted her oldest friend on the back, trying to ease his discomfort. As long as I'm around, you have nothing to worry about. Thank you, Rosalind. Skywind smiled and continued into the wasteland. So, how's Gemivine? The squire asked, trying to make small talk. You have been treating my best friend well, haven't you? Of course. He rolled his eyes. We've been balancing our parental responsibilities. Jessica gets rather fussy if either of us aren't around. She's a blessing, though, isn't she? She really is. Skywind sighed, joyfully. It's so adorable how she tries to say my name. And she's already started crawling. Gemivine is so happy with her, she told me last night that she wants another child. Oh, that's great. Rosalind squealed. Wait. Child? Not daughter? Yes, why? You want it to be a boy, don't you? Skywind groaned and rubbed his forehead. Look, I told Gemivine the same thing I'll tell you. I am perfectly fine with having a daughter. I don't care that my heritage is a patriarchy. But you would like a boy, wouldn't you? She replied slyly. I won't tell her if you say yes. The king waved his hand, nonchalantly, as they carried on. Eh, if she and I were to have a son, I wouldn't complain. You do realize that if you have a son, he will inherit the scepter and the throne? Indexia levitated up to the chatting pair of friends. Who invited you into this? Skywind snapped, mildly irritated. I'm just doing my job, your majesty. The blue mage held up her hands, defensively. Teaching magic spells, offering guidance on quests, and reminding how the realm of power works. The rest of the trip was carried out in uncomfortable silence. Nighttime came, and Rosalind suggested that they should set up camp. Omnitraxus, not needing sleep, offered to take the first watch in the event that Hecapo would come across them on his own. However, once the others fell asleep, she heard an ominous cackling coming from the distance. Hello? she called. Instead of a verbal reply, an orange, circular portal rushed towards her at an alarming rate. Rosalind woke with a start, drawing her bow and readying an arrow. Who goes there? She bellowed before cringing inwardly. Ugh, that sounded cheesy. By the time Skywind woke up, his entire crew had disappeared. Instinctively, he held his scepter close to his chest, ready to cast an offensive spell. Just then, another portal opened up right in front of him, and he immediately aimed his weapon. Avada Kedavra! A blast of green energy shot through the portal, but struck nothing. After giving himself a few minutes to catch his breath, the king of ours took a closer look through the portal. Illuminate! The clock of his scepter created a bright searchlight, allowing him to see through a bit more clearly. A high. Piercing scraping sound crept out from the dark side of the magical gateway, prompting him to take a closer look. When he finally stepped inside, he found himself inside a seemingly abandoned forge, lit only by the molten metal used for crafting. Following the sound, Skywind slowly aimed his scepter's searchlight at the opposite end of the forge, not noticing that the portal behind him had closed. Leaning against one of the furnaces, a demonic-looking man with pale skin sharpened his canine teeth with a file. 
He was dressed in a tattered yellow suit with a crimson tie and matching cape. Two orange horns protruded from his long, red hair, with a black crown resting in between them. But the most disturbing feature about this entity was the yellow cat-like eye staring at his new guest. Um, I take it you are Hecapo? Skywin nervously tugged at the collar of his shirt. Master of this forge? You're very perceptive. The demon chuckled as he started filing his claws, never once shifting his gaze. So, what brings you to my humble abode? Can you, can you still forge the interdimensional scissors? I can. Are, are you the reason my crew has gone missing? I am. This was beginning to feel like more than Skywind bargained for. Can you please bring them back? And perhaps create a pair of scissors for me? I won't. Hecapo flicked the file away and slowly paced towards the timid ruler. I mean, I don't really want to. Maybe later, but for now, would you care for a drink? I beg your pardon? Do you have any idea what millions of years trapped in a pocket realm with no one to talk to does to the mind of an immortal? Don't answer that. It ain't pretty. Hecapo gripped both of his horns and fell to his knees. It sounded to Skywind as if he was crying, but all of the forger's tears evaporated upon contact with his flesh. The king couldn't help but pity the poor being. Suddenly, however, the sobbing turned into sadistic giggling and Hecapo stood up to rub the sadness out of his eye. After straightening his tie, the enchanted blacksmith motioned to a stairwell, leading to a subterranean level. Ahem. Like I said, not pretty. So, if you want a pair of my scissors, you're going to have to humor me. It's been a long time since I've had any company. Reluctantly, Skywind cautiously followed his host down the steps. The cellar was abundant with a variety of alcoholic beverages, with nearly half of all the bottles being empty. But Skywind's attention was drawn to what lay beyond the bountiful alcohol, a display case full of interdimensional scissors. Pick your poison, Hecapo offered. Um, I am not much of a drinker, actually. Skywind politely declined, never taking his eyes off of the case. Uh, suit yourself. Hecapo shrugged as he lazily pulled one bottle off of its rack. Extending his cape outward, the demon pulled out a pair of scissors from a concealed pocket and effortlessly snipped the neck of the bottle off. Ignoring the sticky mess that dripped onto the floor, Hecapo proceeded to drink the strong liquor as his gaze fell upon the king's magic scepter. So, you're the king? Yes. Why do you ask? Well, when Indexia made me... They had a different guy. He coughed, lightly, before elaborating. Some brunette in a cheap suit. Had these, uh, weird birthmarks on his cheeks. You knew my ancestor? Skywind's curiosity peaked. King Brian, the predominant? Nah, I think it was his grandkid. The blacksmith corrected with another swig of the bottle's contents. That other guy was before my time. Ah, uh, right? Now, about the interdimensional scissors dash. Oh, yeah. Hecapo chuckled. Pretty funny, right? See, Indexia made me to find a way to cut through the fabric of reality. And I thought to myself, what's better at cutting fabric than scissors? Get it? Yes, clever. The king complimented, nervously. 
So, what do you want them for? Well, it's a bit of a long story, Skywind explained, trying not to make it obvious that he was moving closer to the display case. You see, we're planning to go on a time quest, and the scissors would prove most helpful in preventing any harm to the timeline. I see, you do realize you're working with Indexia? The little blue bitch who locked me in here, right? And for what? Having a little fun? Please, I understand that you are upset. You have every right. Skywin measured each word carefully. All he had to do was keep him distracted long enough to grab another pair of scissors. But this may be your chance to prove her wrong. Prove her wrong? Hecapos sounded interested. Yes. Think about it. If you be the bigger man and help us on our quest, Indexia would see that she was wrong about you being too chaotic and finally let you out of this realm. The blacksmith set the bottle back on its rack, despite being empty. He rubbed his chin as he paced around Skywind like a hungry shark. The room was deathly quiet, with only the taunting cackles of the forge's molten metal echoing around them. The king was inches away from grabbing a pair of the enchanted scissors before a flaming dagger blocked his path, creating a wall of fire around the scissors. He froze in terror as his host rushed forward to gaze directly into his eyes. After a few more agonizing moments of contemplation, Hecapo's lips curled upwards. All right. I'll make you a deal. Hecapo's devilish smile grew wider still. Trying to steal from me really pisses me off. But you're not exactly the worst guest I've ever had, so I'll give you two choices. One, I let you and that Muman girl go back home. Indexia and Prime stay here, to suffer as I have. And you forget all about this little quest. Two, if you can beat me in a challenge of my choosing, I'll not only give you a pair of scissors, but I'll hand the others over to you. But if you choose option two, and you fail, you'll be stuck here, too. Skywind's mouth was agape with fear. The idea of spending the rest of his life in the time-displaced pocket realm sent shivers down his spine. He would never see his beloved Jemai Vine or Jessica ever again. The Dragonfly family would forever be disgraced, and without the power of the Scepter's magic, the monsters would eventually wipe out all of humanity. But without a pair of interdimensional scissors, he'd never break through the time barrier, and his quest would be for naught. In the end, it all boiled down to one question. Was he really willing to risk everything over a quest? At last, he took a deep breath, clenched his scepter tight, and gave Hecapo a stern look. I accept your challenge. Whatever it may be. Hmm, this is gonna be fun. Hecapo chuckled. The blacksmith threw the bottle away, and cracked his knuckles in preparation. On impulse, Skywind defensively pointed the scepter at his challenger, ready to cast an attack spell. Hecapo lifted his right hand up to the tip of the black crown resting on his head, and with the snap of his fingers, a small flame flickered into existence. If you want a pair of scissors all you have to do is blow out this flame. That's it. The king's eyebrow arched in confusion. Yup. That's it. Hecapo nodded. Skywind could hardly believe his ears. He now had nothing to fear. He leaned in close, took a deep breath, and his challenger disappeared, leaving behind a cloud of dust. What the? You who? 
Hecapo was now fifty feet away, with the same wicked smile plastered on his face. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention. I still have a lot of magic. Skywind watched in terror as the orange-clad blacksmith speed around in circles at a fantastic speed. Stealing his nerves, he charged the power in his scepter and rushed at his enemy as fast as he could. He thought that if he could cast a shielding spell on himself, it would be enough to stop Hecapo in his tracks. Instead, the crafty demon used his scissors to slice open a portal, and the young king fell through. The other end of the portal opened up high in the sky, and Skywind screamed as he drew closer and closer to the ground. And then, everything went black. A foul stench burned Skywind's nostrils as he struggled to open his eyes. Once his vision cleared, he found himself inside an active volcano. Desperately, he pushed himself as far away from the edge as he could. Wakey, wakey, your majesty! Hecapo cackled, sinisterly. The pale demon lifted an open bottle of vodka up to the flame dancing atop his crown, and waved it, menacingly, in front of Skywind's face. Care for that drink? Wah! What's going on? The king of ours stammered as he tried to find his footing. Welcome to hell! Suddenly, Hecapo leaped fifteen feet into the air, throwing the bottle at his prey's feet. Astonishingly, the flames spiraled away from the mumen and began to take shape. Fifty Hecapos sprang to life from the dancing fires, rushing in different directions around the disoriented king. Each Hecapo clone laughed hysterically as they rushed around him, occasionally slicing at him with his razor-sharp scissors. You can't catch me! You can't catch me! They all taunted in unison. Enough! The Mumin king held his scepter aloft, remembering a spell he had created on accident that would end this chaotic brawl. As the black onyx crystal housed in the scepter's head shone brightly, all the hecapos began to levitate above the ground. They were all visibly frightened, some of them even clawing towards the planet's surface. What is this? One of them demanded. I turned off the gravity. Skywind smirked. Once they were high enough, he conjured a lasso of pure energy that wrapped around the barren soil, and the planet began to rotate properly again. As each hecapo fell, Skywind blasted them with a gust of wind that blew out their flames. At last, the king landed on his feet, gazing at the only remaining hecapo as he fell to the surface. Mental illness regression beam! The hands on Skywind's clock spun out of control as a fine beam of light shot forth into Hecapo's temple. The demonic blacksmith somersaulted backwards and fell on his back. The scissors fell from his fingers and his pupils rapidly grew and shrank. The king cautiously moved forward as Hecapo slowly sat back up. Whoa! The horned hunter shook his head and held his stomach. Suddenly, he didn't look as wild and menacing as he did before. The spell cast was clearing away the cobwebs that plagued his mind. What? What was that? Why am I here? How did I get here? What am I doing H-dash? Skywind puffed a gentle breath and extinguished the flame. With a smile, he extended his hand towards Hecapo. Oh yeah, now I remember. He grunted and straightened his tie. Once he was back on his feet he finally smiled back at his opponent. Not bad for a muman. Thank you? 
Skywin nodded in appreciation. Now, about our arrangement. A deal is a deal, Hecapo conceded, handing over the scissors. You earned them. Thank you. And my friends? Oh, right. Hecapo took out another pair of scissors and once more sliced open a hole in the interdimensional barrier. Achoof! Rosalind fell flat on her face while Indexia and Omnitraxis landed, gracefully. We have been falling for three hours, she fumed. My king, are you hurt? Did Hecapo harm you? Indexia's crystal shone a probing light over her ruler, checking for any serious injuries. Nice to see you too, Mom, Hecapo snarked. Well, thank you all for visiting Chateau de Lonely. Have a safe trip back home. Wait. Skywin gently placed a hand on his former enemy's shoulder. I still need to learn how to properly use these things. And you know them better than anyone else. How would you like a spot on the Magical High Commission? Really? For the first time since they had met, Skywin saw a sparkle of hope in Hecapo's eyes. You mean... I can leave this place? Yes. If you promise to behave. My king, are you sure that's wise? Omnitraxis advised, uneasily. He was locked in here for a reason, after all. It's pretty clear that I can handle him at his worst. The king of ours replied confidently. It'd be nice to see him at his best. Fine. Indexia sighed, waving her hand over her creation's heart. Hecapo, master of the Eternal Forge, I hereby renounce your banishment. A brilliant aura surrounded the blacksmith, causing a marvelous transformation. His tattered suit was mended and cleaned, and his skin was a healthier shade of white. Wow. I don't. I don't know what to say. Thank you, your majesty. No need to thank me, my friend. Just point me towards the nearest dimension. Skywind beamed. Alon's why, Hecapo. Uh, what the hell does that mean? No, please. Wait, stop. Don't ask him that. I'm glad you asked. A collective groan filled the air as Skywind opened a dimensional portal. Chapter 3. Accidents Happen After earning the interdimensional scissors from Hecapo, Skywind insisted that his crew return to Muni before proceeding with their quest. The king was highly concerned about the safety of his family, as well as the stability of the kingdom's populace. The portal opened up in the center of the throne room, and Gemivine was surprised to see her husband back so soon. The queen led him into town, showing off the group of farmers she had already organized to begin the plantations, as well as her developing system for crop rotation and distribution. Skywind carried Jessica around as he followed his wife through the cobblestone streets. After the horrors of facing Hecapo in his hellish dimension, he was happy to spend a few precious moments with his beloved family. When the time came to continue the quest, Omnitraxis Prime volunteered to stay behind and ensure that the magic barrier would still be standing when they returned. Skywind officially welcomed Hecapo into the Magical High Commission, under the condition that he would continue to produce interdimensional scissors for the kingdom and submitted each pair for royal regulation. At last, the crew finished their preparations and Skywind sliced open a portal. All right, Hecapo. 
he spoke slowly as they drifted through the void. According to Omnitraxis, we need a dimension that is similar to our own. Only then will we be able to safely travel back in time. So, which dimension is most similar to ours? Hecapo cracked his knuckles and pulled down his left horn, processing his encyclopedic knowledge of the multiverse. Hmm, let's see, do, 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 ah. Here we go. Dimension 811. It's perfect, right outside our timeline. So, what you want to do is open up the scissors, think 811, and move them upwards until you cut a hole big enough to step through. Skywin nodded in understanding and did as instructed. The group stepped through the flaming vortex one at a time, with the king guarding up the rear for safety. But when they arrived, the feeling of excitement quickly disappeared. Dimension 811 was a wasteland that looked worse off than Hecapo's pocket realm. There were signs of previous civilizations, but all buildings and roads were completely demolished. The plant life had grown over everything, as if trying to strangle the entire world. Only one word can describe such a desolate place. Indexia surmised gravely. Apocalyptic. Indeed. Skywind agreed. This changes things. I will not risk traveling back in time to the starting point of this cataclysm. I suggest we have a look around. Perhaps we can find a historical archive, or something. If we find the latest catalog date, we can deduce when this disaster happened. Good idea. Indexia agreed. We can start with the nearest building. There. The explorers headed into the building huddled around Hecapo for visibility. However, the blacksmith was soon not the only source of light. The king ordered his friends to stop as something caught his attention. A group of bioluminescent worms were crawling across the wall, each one glowing a different color. Skywind held out his hand, coaxing a few of them to crawl onto his arm. Oh my! He breathed in amazement. The colorful worms were having a tantalizing effect on the young king. This is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. Uh, your wife? Rosalind questioned. Oh, uh, right. Skywind coughed, awkwardly. I meant the second most beautiful thing. Your daughter? Right, right. I mean, my top ten. I say we split up. Hecapo chimed in. We can cover more ground that way. Are you crazy? Rosalind gawked. For all we know, whatever did this could still be around here. Hecapo scoffed. I spent a million years in a hellish nightmare world with only booze to keep me company. This'll be a cakewalk. To emphasize his point, he split his own pair of scissors apart and held them like daggers. I agree with Hecapo, Skywind admitted. The sooner we find out what happened, the sooner we can determine how to proceed. Let's split up. Ugh, fine. Rosalind snatched a candle off the ground and lit it from Hecapo's head, wandering off on her own. The Muman monarch watched his crew go their separate ways, while he stayed in the same room. Taking a look around, he spotted three bookshelves along the walls, a work desk littered with more notebooks and papers, a model globe in the corner, and a table in the center. A few beakers were stained from whatever used to occupy them indicating that they hadn't been cleaned in some time. It looks like this was some sort of laboratory, 
Skywin thought to himself. The king of ours continued with his inspection, rummaging through broken beakers and dusty notebooks. The worms tickled as they clung to his face, prompting him to pick them off and place them in his pocket so he could focus. The intellectual part of his brain took over, and he began taking a closer look at his surroundings. As he proceeded through the lab, a piece of paper stuck to the bottom of his boot. Once he peeled it off, he saw that it looked like a page torn from one of the notebooks. He leaned against the table to balance himself, and gingerly peeled it off to examine it. But as he read the sloppy handwriting, his eager smile gradually disappeared. What? What does this dash? His eyes scanned over the paper countless times as he tried to wrap his brain around its meaning. All livestock has gone extinct, sentient life too unpredictable. Too cruel, we deserve to die. Meanwhile, Rosalind was equally fascinated by the dark, mysterious lab. But her candlelight was very dim, forcing her to pay close attention to where she was walking. A few minutes into her search, she found a door that led to a much longer hallway. Despite the limited light source, she saw something that stood out from the darkness, four men made of metal leaning against the walls. A closer inspection, it looked as if they were operated by clockwork mechanisms. However, they had obviously been deactivated for some time. Curious, Rosalind placed her fingers against its chin and gently tilted it to the side for a better look. But without warning, the machine aimlessly turned its head back in the opposite direction. Disturbed, the squire slowly backed away from it, hoping not to draw attention to herself. Unfortunately, she failed to notice the pile of scrap metal laying on the floor before tripping over it. As the sound echoed around the room, and Rosalind struggled to get up, a dim light appeared in the eyes of the machine, and it slowly turned its head back towards her direction. All she could do was gawk as the empty eyes stared back at her. At last, an eerie, garbled voice came from the rusted robot. E-E-X. What? The squire was too afraid to move. I'm sorry, what? E-E-X. The automation repeated. I don't. I don't know what you want. E-X. Tear. Am I I? Nate. The lights gradually grew brighter, and the machine's rusted joints creaked as it slowly stood up. Rosalind finally found the strength to start backing away, unaware that the other machines were also reactivating. Exterminate, 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 exterminate. A beam of light shot forth from its eyes, just narrowly missed Rosalind's feet, leaving a crater in the ground beneath her. The squire of Muni's king took that as her signal to run away. Skywind, she called out in terror. Skywind, help! The other machines slowly followed suit and attacked Rosalind with extreme prejudice. Rosalind! A beam of green magic soared past her head and blasted the machines away from her. Skywind embraced his friend in a comforting hug before dragging her away. That won't hold them off for long, he told her. Rosalind looked over her shoulder and noticed the mechanical menaces repairing the damage done to them as they continued their pursuit. That won't hold them off at all, she shouted. Indexia, where are you? You called my king? The blue mage appeared at the mention of her name. What are these things? 
Hmm, they appear to be enemies, I would assume dash. Damn it, woman! Skywind snarled as they rounded a corner. This is no time for one of your blasted, cryptic lessons. Give me a straight answer. I only pretend to know everything, Skywind. Indexia retorted. Wait a minute, where's Hecapo? What? Skywind stopped in his tracks to survey the area. I don't know. I thought he was with you. An agonized scream made everyone's ears perk up. The group ran as fast as they could to the source and found their comrade in the clutches of a fifth robot. The blacksmith was fighting to break free with all his strength, but the flame atop his crown was fading fast. Release him, Skywind ordered, and charged his wand for an attack spell. Negative. He must die, the robot replied. I thank you for your part in our reactivation. I am Alpha Zero, leader of the Ottomen. My creator invented us for the sole purpose of destroying all sentient life. Unfortunately, with no life left to destroy, we were forced into mandatory shutdown. But now that you have come, we have been given a new purpose. With this new technology, the one that allows users to travel through dimensions, we can function forever as we spend eternity wiping out all life across the multiverse. Starting with your home dimension. Muni is not so easily conquered, the king boasted. There are over 1,000 citizens, many of whom are highly skilled knights and warriors. How many are you? Five. Skywind scoffed at the absurd notion. You think you could destroy us with only five Ottoman? We would destroy you with only one Ottoman, the tyrannical robot snapped. You organic beings are superior to us in only one respect. Oh, yeah? Skywind tightened his grip on the scepter. And what's that? You are better at dying. A strong laser blast further emphasized the heartless sadist's point. Skywind narrowly dodged the beam and rushed at his attacker. He grabbed his comrade away from Alpha Zero and blasted the robot with Avada Kedavra. But the spell only worked on living beings, and a robot was not alive. Multiple lasers came after the heroes as the Ottoman went on with the offensive. The white-skinned blacksmith finally woke up and readied himself for battle. Rosalind fired every arrow she had at the enemy, but they all shattered upon contact. We're gonna die, she cried. Think positive, Hecapo offered. We're gonna die quickly, she corrected. Indexia, help them. Skywind ordered as he cast a barrier spell. But his teacher had also been taken captive. Alpha Zero personally held the mage in his clutches, tauntingly waving her in front of the king. Three other Ottomen approached Rosalind and Hecapo, while the remaining robot focused its attention on Skywind. The king of ours grit his teeth in anger and did his best to defend himself, but the soulless machine quickly overpowered him. In no time, he was backed into the corner, forced to watch as his friends would be killed. This is my fault, he thought. If I hadn't proposed this damned quest, we wouldn't be in this mess. Suddenly, a surge of magical power sprang forth from his scepter and overloaded the Ottoman's mechanical mind. Everyone's attention was directed at Dragonfly, now. 
all the stress and frustration had finally manifested at just the right time. The dual hourglass-shaped birthmarks on his cheeks glowed brighter than ever before, as did his eyes. Four transparent wings sprouted from his back, a pair of antennae grew from his forehead, and four extra arms tore through his tunic. This was Skywind's muberty form, the point where his magical prowess was at its natural peak. Get your hands off of them, he bellowed, angrily. Using a lasso of pure magic, he tugged his crew away from the sinister machines and dragged them to safety. Hecapo opened another portal to the dimensional netherworld. Once they were away, the king decided it was time to use the most powerful spell in his arsenal. With both hands placed firmly on the scepter, Skywind spun the mystical artifact through the air while he gracefully danced around his comrades. Indexia recognized this technique. Only Rosalind, Hecapo, and the Ottoman were confused. At last, with his powerful gaze locked on the enemies, Skywind struck the bottom of his scepter on the ground. Warnicorn! Stampede! Astonishingly, an ominous cloud formed in front of the Muman heroes, followed by a horde of warnicorns. And it was here that Skywind made his mistake. The pure concentrated rage, combined with the raw strength that came with his muberty form enhanced the spell beyond his capacity. The feedback forced him backwards through the portal, and knocking him back to his senses. The portal closed, automatically, leaving the group floating through the void. Skywind took out his interdimensional scissors, trying to reopen the portal. But the portal didn't lead to the same realm, no matter how hard he concentrated. It's no use, Skywind, Hecapo explained. If the scissors can't take you there, it's because the dimension you're thinking of doesn't exist anymore. W, what did I do? The king of ours stuttered in terror. What did I just do? Incredible, Indexia exclaimed. Of all the previous kings before you, none have ever displayed the power to destroy an entire dimension. And no, I didn't mean to. It was an accident. Skywind, calm down, Rosalind consoled her friend. Let's just go home for now. Give ourselves time to think this through. I urge you to listen to the squire, my king, Indexia agreed. A little rest will do you good. Skywind didn't know what to do. But then again, he doubted anyone would if they had completely annihilated an entire realm. In the end, he agreed to return for Muni. Once they arrived, the king sadly announced that the time quest was a complete failure, and that they would not be attempting a second quest. When asked why, he ignored the question and ordered everyone to focus on the plantations. Only the queen, who knew Skywind better than anyone else, was finally able to get through to him. He told her everything. From the horrors of the Ottoman, to the greater tragedy he committed with his own power. He left out no detail, even telling her about the beautiful worms that he destroyed. By the time he finished, even she needed a moment to process all the information. Well, you said all sentient life was already destroyed beforehand, right? She pointed out. So, you only killed a few worms. Yes, but I like those worms. He set his scepter down on the bed so that he could lay down. Jessica. Sensing his distress, crawled over to her father and snuggled up beside him. This warmed the king's heart as he happily took her into his arms. 
Ah, uh, thank you, sweetheart. You don't think your daddy's dangerous, do you? Gemmyvine laid down beside her husband, nuzzling his neck to provide comfort. But Skywind's giggling ruined the mood. What's so funny? Like you don't know. He laughed. Stop tickling me. I'm not tickling you. The queen protested, holding up her hands to prove it. See? What? But then, who dash? Skywind handed his child over to Gemivine and lifted his tunic. The brilliant glow lit up the room, as well as the king's eyes. The worms! He rejoiced as he gingerly plucked the insects from his body. I forgot I placed a few of them on my person in the lab. Oh my! You weren't kidding! Gemivine gasped. They are tantalizing. Jessica's eyes sparkled with wonder and amazement, reaching out to hold one of the glowing worms. But her father had already gotten off of the bed and placed them in an empty jar on his desk, carefully plucking a leaf from the rose. Stem next to him, he surrendered it to his tiny guests. There you go, he sighed, as they greedily munched on the flora. You came a long way for a little snack. I'm sorry I destroyed your home. The queen wrapped her arms around Skywind and kissed his cheek. You see? You didn't wipe them out. Maybe this is a sign, she suggested. Maybe you can make amends for your accident. Yes, yes. Skywind grew more animated with each word. Gemivine beamed with pride at her husband's enthusiasm. Yes, I'll do it. I am Skywind, the king of ours. If I possess the power to destroy dimensions, who is to say that I do not possess the power to rebuild them? He lifted his wife into the air and spun in circles with joy. You're right, Gemivine. I can't erase my mistakes, but I can make up for them. But first... Gemivine shrieked with delight as her king lovingly ravished her neck with lustful kisses. She eagerly encouraged him onwards by unfastening the laces on her corset before she spotted Jessica, still sitting on the bed. Wait! 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 Reluctantly, she pushed him away. Not in front of the baby. Oh, right! Skywind blushed. He moved towards the door and placed a hand to his mouth. Ah, uh, Rosalind? Please take the princess to her nursery. Coming, my king! The faint sound of footsteps echoed down the halls. The squire of Muni hurriedly appeared in front of the door. Oh, and after the queen and I emerge from our chambers, I'll need to consult with Indexia. So, prepare my inks. Calligraphy or artistry, my king? Rosalind asked, struggling to catch her breath. But her old friend just stared at her, indignantly. Um... I'll just get both. Chapter 4 Dimensional Doo-Wop So what you want to do is you want to go down that cobblestone road there. Cobblestone Road. Okay. Then what you want to do is take a left at the neighborhood with the skeletons and cobwebs. Skeletons and cobwebs, got it. And there's this old building with a chapel. Used to be a church but the whack job used it as a laboratory that started this plague. But don't worry, he made the vaccine before he died, so you should be fine. Chapel. All right. 
Oh, but if you see a river of blood, you've gone too far. Skywind eagerly scribbled the directions down on his notepad. It had been twenty years since the destruction of Dimension 811, and the king of ours was still nowhere near as close to finding a spell that would undo the damage as he hoped to be. Nevertheless, his perseverance had led him through multiple dimensions, gathering bountiful knowledge. Over the years, the magical High Commission were required to return to their own duties, leaving Skywind to finish the quest on his own. The only one to stick with him through the journey was Indexia, and only because it was her duty to serve the royal family. Currently, they was traveling through the dead world of Dimension 223Z in search of an chemical solution for the spell. Thank you again, my good man. Hey, no problem. The corpse reached out to shake the king's hand, only for his arm to pop out of its socket. Ah, jeez. That's embarrassing. Hey, can I go back to my grave now? This is starting to hurt. Of course, my undead friend. I believe you have helped enough. Skywind waved his scepter in front of the reanimated cadaver, ending the spell and sending the dead man back to his eternal rest. That was much easier than the last dimension. Indeed, my liege. Indexia nodded. A few hours later, the duo had acquired the potion's formula and returned home. Skywind beamed with pride as he observed his queen overseeing another successful harvest. Gemmyvine kissed her husband as he passed by, and led the farmers to the marketplace for distribution. And yet, the king kept his eyes glued to his spell book. Hi, Daddy! Solarius, the six-year-old prince of Muni, ran up to his father at full speed and wrapped his arms around the king's leg. The sudden shock finally provoked a reaction from the distracted scholar. I went for a walk on the docks today and saw a lot of boats. And there was this girl with green hair, and she had her own ship. And Milo was there, too. He and I practice fighting for when we become knights. Oh, really? Skywind chuckled. And why do you want to be a knight, Solarius? You're already a prince. Solarius pouted and crossed his arms. Being a prince is boring. I don't even get to do anything. But if I become a knight, I'll hunt the monsters down and slaughter them. I'll see to it that they never harm another human ever again. The king just smiled and rubbed his son's crimson locks. Do me a favor, Solarius. Never grow up. I'll try. The boy nodded. Now, why don't you go play with your mother? I need to retreat to my study. Giving his boy a pat on the head, Skywind finally headed up to the castle. Dad! A girl dressed in a fabulous suit rushed up to the king, walking alongside him as he continued on. This was Jessica, the uncalculated, Skywind's first-born child and only daughter. After Solarius was born, the poor girl lost her chance to be ruler. However, even though she didn't have her family's magic, she still had her magnificent brain. She spent most of her time with the best scholars and tutors the kingdom had to offer, making her as brilliant as she was fashionable. Oh, hello, sweetie. Skywind smiled. I'm a little busy right now. Can this wait? No, but look. She held out a scroll littered with calculations and pointed at each equation with the feather pen she kept in her hat. Okay, I've done the math. 
and I think I've come up with a more effective way of growing and harvesting the crops. Maybe even grow something other than corn. It's a little more expensive, but it'll be way better in the long run. We just need to dash. Your mother has the crops under control, Jessica. Nothing to worry about, her father interrupted. Be but dad, I really think that dash. Not now, Jessica, he snapped. I need to get back to work. Oh, okay, dad, bye. Jessica stuck her pen back into her hat and walked back to her room, throwing the scroll into a waste bin on her way. Meanwhile, Skywind cracked his knuckles and began the preparations for synthesizing the formula. Once Indexia had conjured up the necessary elements, she retired to the great book to rest. But Skywind's experiment didn't stop. Over the next thirty minutes, he diligently mixed each ingredient carefully, until it was ready to boil. But just as he set the flame, his squire's voice came over the intercom. My liege? H. Startled, Skywind blasted the lock to his door with the scepter. Indexia popped her head out of the book to survey the damage before eyeing her king. We both saw that. Rosalind did it. He muttered before taking the microphone into his hand. Yes, Rosalind? What is it? Well, I hate to interrupt you, but a blue carriage just pulled in. The guy had a royal crest, so I just let him in. He should be there in a few minutes. Royal crest? Suddenly, Skywind's eyes widened in terror. Oh, no. Rosalind! Stop that man! Do not let him get to me! I already let him in, she replied. He's unarmed, and he's not a threat. I don't care. Just do as I say. Well, he's on his way? What am I supposed to do? I don't know. Just tell him I'm not here. He shouted into the microphone. Do not let him dash. Hey, Sky. Are you up there? Skywind groaned, rubbing a palm over his face. If I say no, will you go away? An elderly man in a sharp suit, with dual music note-shaped birthmarks on both cheeks, entered the room. I can see you're as chipper as ever. He scoffed at his son's tone. Hello, Dad. Skywind sighed. This was the former king of Muni, Hymnal, the fashionable. Remembered for his carelessness and narrow-minded behavior, the kingdom was most relieved when he stepped down from the throne. But above all, his own son looked down on him with contempt and a bit of resentment. What are you doing here? I thought you were spending your retirement in a volcano home. Well, I was. It really does wonders for the poors. Hemel smiled, rubbing the smooth skin on his face. But the older man shook his head to focus. But I heard that you were pushing yourself a little too hard. How'd you hear that? Huh? I said how'd you hear that? What? Skywind rolled his eyes. He had forgotten about his father's growing deafness, so he had to raise his voice. I said, how did you hear that? Oh, I hear everything, Himno replied. From what I was told, you've been trying to come up with some ultra-powerful spell or something, and you've been neglecting your family in the process. Take my advice, you should go on a vacation. Just relax. 
you can bring the kids to my place at the volcano. Because, you know, you keep saying that you'll visit and then, haha, <laughs> well, you never do. Skywin leaned back against his desk and rubbed his temples. Look, I appreciate that you want to help, Dad. I guess. But I don't need you to tell me how to run the kingdom. I never told you how to. Are you kidding me? Hymnal gawked. That's all you ever did. The first words that ever came out of your mouth were you're doing it wrong. Well, you were. Skywin shrugged. The former king was growing impatient. Look, just take a break. Get out of this room. Go downstairs. And enjoy your family. Need I remind you that your daughter's birthday is in two days? I've already had the royal blacksmiths fashion her a birthday tiara. Skywin sat back down at his desk, opening the great book of magic to jot down his notes. They'll have it ready by then. You can't be that foolish, Hymnal snorted. If you actually spent any time with your daughter, you'd know she prefers hats, rings, necklaces. She hates tiaras because it reminds her that she can't be ruler. How would you know that? She writes me letters. Unlike a certain someone. Crossing his arms, angrily, Hymnal continued with his lecture. And if you don't smarten up, she'll spend the rest of her life thinking that her own father hates her. That is ridiculous, the king refuted. Jessica has never complained to me about feeling neglected. Of course, she hasn't, you knucklehead. Hymnal gave his son a firm slap upside the head. No child is just gonna straight up tell their father that they're dying inside. She's probably blaming herself for your ignorance. You spend more time studying than you do with your own family. And if you keep it up, you're gonna regret it for the rest of your life. Oh, what would you know about family? Skywind snapped. All you ever cared about was your damn clothes. Oh, so now this is my fault? Well, you didn't exactly set a very good example. After all, you let the great book of magic go up in smoke, while you saved that damn fashion book as if it were your own child. All I wanted was for you to help your subjects look presentable. Is that so wrong? Oh, I'm sorry that I don't obsess over what the hell I'm wearing as if my life depends on it. I mean, did it kill you that I just picked a random page and rolled with it? I died a little inside, yes. I don't need your help, Dad. Skywind brushed off his shoulder and turned his back. Now, please. I'm very, very busy. Hymnal sighed in defeat. There was just no reaching out to his son. Well, suit yourself. He conceded and made his way to the door, noticing the damage done to it. Uh, you know, your door lock is busted. Yeah. Rosalind did it. Skywind replied, not looking up. Ah. Well, in that case, she also knocked over a vase on her way up. With that, the former king of Muni began his descent. After he had left, Skywind found himself unable to write. Leaning back in his chair, he gazed out the window. There, sitting in the castle's garden, was Jessica. The girl delicately plucked a daisy from its patch and placed it in her hair. As Skywind continued to observe, he saw her pick up a stick and wave it around as if it were a magic wand. 
Indexia? Yes, my king? Do you, do you think dad was right? Am I neglecting my daughter? Well, I never thought these words would slip through my lips, but yes. I believe Hymnal had a point. You have been a little too caught up with your work. But I, I do love her. Why are you telling me? She's the one who needs to hear it. Skywin looked back outside, seeing how energetic his daughter was being with the stick now. He pushed himself away from his desk and made his way downstairs. On his way, he tripped over a waste bin just outside of Jessica's room and found a scroll inside. He opened it up and skimmed over all the math several times, impressed by how much effort she had put into it. Indexia, tell Rosalind to clear my schedule for the rest of the day. I've got some reading to do. Hours later, Jessica had her arm linked with a close companion as they made their way to her room. Thanks again for coming, Snugglebear. I really needed to see you. Anything for you, my princess. Just as they opened the door, the young new man screamed in fright as they found the king sitting on her bed. Skywind, startled by their sudden entrance, fell backwards onto the floor and yelped in pain. Dad? What are you doing in my room? Jessica, I'm so glad to see you, he spluttered. Listen, I... I'm sorry I haven't spoken to you in a while. I was so distracted by this stupid quest that I, well, I forgot what's really important to me. So I read your scrolls. Every note, every calculation, and I like it. You do? The princess gasped. W which part of it? Are you kidding me? All of it. It's brilliant. The king praised his daughter. And such brilliant ideas deserve to be applied. So, after we arrange for a meeting with the commission, I want to make you Muni's official prime minister. Responsible for all trade deals, political gatherings, crop rotation, and much more. If you feel up to the job, of course. Dad, this is wonderful. I accept. Jessica hugged her father, tight, jumping up and down in excitement. Then she took her male companion into her arms and gave him a long, loving kiss. It wasn't until she remembered that her father was still present that she pushed herself off of her lover. The princess shifted uncomfortably in place and stepped closer to the boy. Um, Dad, this is my fiancé. Duke Spiderbite of the Spiderbite Kingdom. Oh. Skywind was flabbergasted. W.L., it's nice to meet you, my boy. The pleasure is all mine, your majesty. The duke bowed, awkwardly. So, uh, when's the big date? Um, a few weeks from today. Skywind's heart sank. His own child was getting married, and he hadn't even heard about it until the last minute. Oh, I see, he said sadly. Well, I should probably get these scrolls ready for your presentation for the commission. And, uh, I wish you both a lifetime of happiness together. The king slowly made his way to the grand hall of the castle, letting a single tear slide down his cheek. Wait. Jessica spoke up again. The king stopped in his tracks and quickly turned on his heels. I mean, if you're not busy, we'd really appreciate it if you made an appearance. Really? Yeah. She smiled tearfully. 
I know it would really make me happy, Daddy. A warm feeling swelled in Skywind's chest as his daughter's radiant smile reflected onto his own face. At last, he opened his arms and brought her in for a loving embrace. Then I wouldn't miss it for the world, he whispered. Oh, I have something to show you. Come with me. Before the two lovebirds could respond, Skywind grabbed both of them by the arm and dragged them into his study. Jessica was horrified to see all of his accumulated notes on his two-decade quest had all been burned to ashes. Well, what is this? She gasped. I thought you were trying to rebuild Dimension 811? Try to give the worms their home back? I was. The king nodded. But not anymore. These studies are no longer needed for my quest. You found a way to rebuild the dimension? No. Sadly, I didn't, he explained. But I did find another dimension similar to their home. It has no predators and plenty of vegetation. And I would like you, and your betrothed, to join me to finally see this quest through to the end. Dad, I, this is so exciting, Jessica squealed with delight. I've always wanted to visit another dimension with you. Then what are we waiting for? Taking out his interdimensional scissors, Skywind opened a portal and motioned towards the vortex. Shall we be off, Ms. Prime Minister, and... I'm sorry, what's your first name, son? Alonso, the Duke replied happily. Skywind's eyes widened and his mouth went dry. Jessica had never seen her father look so surprised in her entire life. You're kidding me, he said at last. What? The boy didn't understand why his ruler was suddenly grinning from ear to ear. Here's something I've always wanted to do. Skywind took the children's hands into his own, his smile growing ever wider. Alon's why Alonso? With that, the king of ours and his two fellow travels stepped through the portal into Dimension 812. Tick-tock, the clock talks. But secret are its powers. The only one to break its spell. Is Skywind king of ours?